0: Thank you for listening to The Wonder Podcast. I'm Joe Vacanti. It's our desire that you would take this message and that you would choose to live the life God always imagined for you. Not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. So have you ever found yourself uh, underdressed for a situation? Maybe you were invited somewhere and you weren't uh quite dressed appropriately. Or maybe when that uh UPS guy comes to the door, you know when you try to run and hide in your room and at least I do. Um but it's the kind that you have to sign for the package and you're a little underdressed. Our scriptures today tell us that we are in a battle and we need to be dressed for it. And I am convinced that many that call themselves Christians are extremely underdressed for this time and for what we're facing and for what we're about to face. So Paul writes this to the city of Ephesus while he was sitting in prison. I think a person sitting in prison would be pretty well equipped to say there's a battle out there because they are actually like a prisoner of war. Ephesus was the center of a lot of Paul's ministry. He spent three full years there. It was a harbor city and the center of commercial trade at the time. It was founded by the Greeks, and they built a temple to Diana, who was called the mother of gods. And this temple to her was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. Worship at her temple was one of the main parts of the economy and life of that city. So it's no wonder that when the church broke in and the church was spreading, that the people did not like Christians very much. Paul's purpose in writing to to Ephesus in the book of Ephesians was to tell them how they could fulfill God's purpose for the church, that Christians weren't saved just to get in, but to actually participate in the church. He was after unity. He was after the idea that there are many of us that have individual gifts that are needed for this time. And then he talked about the idea of taking personal responsibility to be holy, to be different than the world. After all of this encouragement that he gives to the church in the first five chapters, he ends it with this about the armor of God, telling the church to make sure that she's not underdressed, for what is to come. And today, I want us to make sure that we are not underdressed for this time. The first verses say this, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and the authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. All you have to do is turn on the news, look on social media, and it's not a surprise to you that there is evil in this world. It's interesting because Paul says, finally, well, I like to go back when he says finally and look at the beginning in Ephesians one, one, he starts this whole letter with this to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Faithful means trustworthy, believing, consistent, and true. It's almost like Paul is saying, if you are not a faithful follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian just in word, but not in actual practice, not in your daily life, it's almost as if he's saying, you don't even need to bother to read the rest. He's talking to those that are wanting to follow after Jesus, true faithful followers. And then he goes on to say, stand and to stand firm. He says it four times. That's a military word, to take a critical position while under attack. And then he tells us to put on the whole armor. See, sometimes I think we'd rather dress in the way we want to dress. We think we know what we need to wear to go into the battle, or we think, you know what? I don't need to put that whole thing on. I'll just put this part on or that part on because that might hold me back. You might remember the story of David and Goliath. When David, the young shepherd boy, came to face Goliath, they wanted to give him the king's armor, but it was too restricting, too big. It wasn't armor made for him. And so he wasn't able to wear Saul's armor. Many people try to dress themselves with somebody else's armor, but we need to take up the armor of God. And Paul's telling us here, like it or not, we are in a war. You don't get to decide if you're in a war. If it comes to you, you're in it. A few weeks ago, Joe and I watched this movie called Plane. And it was a story of a plane that had taken off and it knew it was going into a storm, but they went into it anyways. They were given the go ahead. And the plane has to make an emergency landing. And they find themselves on this remote, separate island run by rebels. No rules except their own. And when they're in this place, it's interesting because some of the passengers, being people from a country like ours, think, well, we're these type of people. We get to do whatever we want to do. And the rebels say to them, excuse me, this is our land. This is our country. I don't care who you are. See, they found themselves in a place where they didn't get to decide to not be in a war zone. And that's where we are today. We are living in a war zone. So what does this armor look look like? First, he tells us to put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 says this, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of of righteousness, the belt of truth, fasten the belt of truth. That word fasten means girded. That's not really a word that we use a lot, but a lot of the men would wear tunics. And the idea of girded was to actually make it so that the bottom of their shirt was tied up and connected to their belt. So if you were going to run after the enemy or try to pivot and turn, you wouldn't trip over your own clothing. Luke 12, 35 says this, let your loins be girded and your lights be burning. If we do not have the belt of truth fastened around our waist, we are going to trip up in this world. We are not going to make it through what comes our way. We know that Jesus is truth. He holds us together. And so when we are fastened with him, there's nothing that could trip us up. Jesus said this himself in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 17, in Jesus' beautiful prayer for the church, he says this. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So first, we fasten the belt of truth, and then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness, you might ask. So when Paul is describing the armor of God, Paul actually grew up as a Roman citizen. And so Paul understood what the Roman soldiers would wear. And what they would wear is this tough, sleeveless piece of armor that would go all the way up to the top of their neck and all the way down in the back and the front. And this part was so important because it protected the heart and the lungs and the vital organs. So when Paul is saying to put on the breastplate of righteousness, what is he telling us? Well, the Bible describes a righteous person as just and right, holding on to God and trusting in him. But Isaiah 64, 6 tells us this. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. But 2 Corinthians 5 tells us this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in Zechariah, there's this interesting story. It says this, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you in pure vestments. In this uh, unique story, you see the enemy before the throne of God with a priest somebody that was there to serve God, standing before the throne. And the enemy is accusing him and saying, how dare you enter the throne of God? You have no right to be here. But it is the righteousness of God that gives us the right to boldly enter the presence of God. See, the enemy wants to accuse us and he wants to go for our hearts. Does anybody have the enemy? Go right directly to your heart. Like he just just like tries to pierce you right in the heart. And this is why it's so critical that we put on the armor of God. When we put on that breastplate, that righteousness of Jesus, the blood of Jesus protects all of our vital organs. It protects the things that the enemy comes. When the enemy comes to pierce our heart, we can remember that Jesus' heart was pierced so we wouldn't have to be. And he did that to heal our broken hearts. When the enemy wants to literally make us short of breath and suffocate us like we can't breathe, we remember that we breathe in Yahweh, the breath of God. We breathe in and we breathe out God. See, His vital, our vital organs are protected when we put on his righteousness. And then Paul goes on to say to put on shoes for your feet. It says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers wore half-boot sandals that had spikes on the bottom of them. So as they were going around different terrains or pivoting in battle, they would have firm feet. It made them ready to march, climb, travel through unstable ground. See, the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save us, that we can't save ourselves, the gospel gives us the stability to handle whatever ground we face, wherever our feet take us. And the thing is that we are filled with this gospel of peace, that our king has already won. And so everywhere we step our our feet, we are bringing that peace. We are saying to that place, the peace of Jesus, the peace of the gospel. This is why the church was needed in the city of Buffalo. This is why we did what we did, because you can read on the news and hear online all the time, all of the chaos going on around us. But we came here to step our feet in a firm foundation with the gospel of peace and say, we speak peace into this city. And Paul says to take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. See, there were two types of shields that Roman soldiers had. They had the circular ones that you might see in like gladiator, and then they had rectangle ones. They were about two and a half feet wide by four feet tall. And those ones had the ability to interlock shields. You might've seen in some of the movies or historical um, scenes where they will lock together and then also lock up on top. And so they can take the offensive against a city or against the enemy and be protected at all sides. See, those who carry those particular shields were the ones at the front lines. You know, God is looking for in this time some followers of Jesus that will get out of the fray and step up into the front lines. No war is won being always on the defensive. No football game is won if your defense is out there all of the time. You need a strong offensive line. See, the soldiers that were on the front lines, they protected those coming behind from the fiery arrows that were being shot down. They also freed up the hands and the gifts of those behind them so that the archers could fire back. God is looking for those. He says in all circumstances, take up this shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I was recently uh, looking back on some of the Revolutionary War And I heard this phrase by Patrick Henry. This was before they were making the choice to to take up this war against England. And Patrick Henry said this famous phrase, give me liberty or give me death. He said, see, we don't have a choice to just stay. The choice is between freedom or slavery. This war is inevitable. I don't know the course that others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Where are the Christians today that are going to say, bring liberty to my family through me or give me death? Where are the Christians that are going to say for the city of Buffalo, give them liberty, give them freedom in Jesus name or give me death? I will give everything for this city. I will give everything for my family. Where are these frontline soldiers for the kingdom of God? And then Paul goes on to say, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Roman soldier's helmet extended all the way down their forehead, all the way down covering the back of their neck, really the down the side of their cheeks. Really, it kept their eyes um, open, exposed. Everything else was covered. You see, the enemy, of course, would want to target the head to make the soldiers disoriented and confused. And our enemy does the same thing, doesn't he? He goes after our minds. He wants to make us disoriented and confused. But our salvation, when we put on the helmet of salvation, we remember from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet that we are covered by the blood of Jesus, that we walk in freedom, that we are who he says that we are. See, we have a present salvation. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in us. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are putting on the mind of Christ. And then the hope that we have is no matter what battle we face, no matter what things come up against us, we have a future salvation where, yes, Jesus has already won and done it, but one day the entire world, past and present, will bow before him. This is how we can respond to supernatural attacks with supernatural power. First Corinthians says this, That person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has instructed the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And then he says to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That word sword actually meant dagger. It was short and it was meant for hand-to-hand combat. If you don't think that the enemy is going to get up close and personal to you when you try to live for Jesus, you are mistaken and you are going into a battle underdressed and ill-equipped. See, he wants to come up close and personal and attack you and find where your weaknesses are more easily exposed. He's incredibly strategic. And when Paul says the sword of the Spirit is the word of God, he's not talking about the entire counsel of Scripture. He's actually talking about specific words. Jesus did this when he was in the wilderness tempted by Satan where Satan would say to him, because Jesus had not eaten for 40 days. So the enemy came to tempt him. And he said, say to that, if you're the son of God, say to that stone to become bread, and it'll become bread. And so when the enemy went after Jesus' weak area in that moment, because his physical body was hungry, Jesus turned specific words from God. He didn't say, well, Satan, the Bible says, don't talk to me. He said, God has said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So, what I want you to do is, I want you to think about what are the specific areas that the enemy likes to taunt you and attack you. And I want you to realize that you are in hand to hand combat against him. And I want you to find scripture to fight back. If the enemy is saying to you, you're guilty just like he said to the priest Joshua what are you doing in the presence of god you're 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 covered in filthy rags you're nothing when the enemy wants to say you're guilty hey if i if i only if you only knew what i did kate There's no way that God could use me. Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, Satan, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Psalm 103 says, for as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions. And Satan, Romans 8, 1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So yes, I was a sinner, but I am made clean by the power of God. When the enemy wants to say to you, you're worthless, you don't matter. God doesn't need you in his army and his kingdom. You're nothing. Really, Satan? Well, Luke 12 says, God says, in fact, even the hairs on my head are numbered. Don't be afraid for you are more valuable than the sparrows. Psalm 139 says, you created my inmost being. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And John 3:16 trumps it all, Satan. For God so loved the world, and I am part of the world, for God so loved me, put your name in there, for God so loved that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And when the enemy wants to tell you, you know, if you follow Jesus, you're gonna be alone, you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna lose friends, you're gonna lose family. You tell Satan, well, Psalm 27 says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When the enemy wants to say to you, if you give everything to Jesus, you will miss out. You tell him Psalm 84, 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you tell him, Deuteronomy 28, 13 says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God and carefully follow them, you will always be on top and never on the bottom. And then you tell him, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you hope and a future. And finally, if the enemy says to you, you're not qualified for what God has asked you to do, stay back there at camp. Don't get up in the front lines. You tell him, First Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You are God's special possession. You, not the whole world that he has in his hands. You are his special possession. We take care of our special possessions. We treat them with honor. That you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. And then you tell him, 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and greatness. And when he really doubles down and he says, You're weak, you're not qualified, you tell him 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, because my power is made perfect in weakness. And actually, Satan, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, and in difficulties. Because when I'm weak, I am strong. I want to challenge you. Spend some time with the Lord today or later this week and write out those things that are the ways that the enemy has come after you. Take up the armor of God. Take up the sword, which is the word of God, and prepare yourself for when he comes to you. Maybe write those verses on a card, put them in different places, memorize them so that no matter where he sneaks up to you and drops it on you, you will have a response. In closing, I'm just going to read our verses in the message version. It's beautiful how Paul says this. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll be standing on your feet. Truth, righteousness, righteousness, Peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. God, we thank you that you have given us and equipped us with every tool that we need for this battle that we face. Thank you for the word. Thank you that you have given us the ability to stand against the enemy. And God, I just pray that in these moments and in these days to come, that you would raise up a church equipped and ready for battle to take her place in the front lines, where she has been on the defense for so long May we find her on the offense, advancing and taking back these precious lives that the enemy is having a field day, stealing, killing, and destroying. There's so much at stake. Use us, God. We love you. In your name, amen. Thanks to all who give to Wonder Church. Your sacrifice makes this podcast possible. Thanks for listening. And live your life in such a way that will make the world wonder. There must be more.